Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Changing Seasons, Worship Changes, presented by Pastor Floyd Sola on July 23rd, 2017. Well, this morning, what I'd like to do um, as we're in our series is I just want to start with a, a question. And it's reflective of how we perceive and how we look at the church. And, and for this morning, if you would, and I know most of you do, but if you would, for, for this morning in the very least, I want you to see when we use the word or the term church, I want you to see it as you. So every time you hear the word church, I want you to think of yourself, Okay. Because the Bible teaches us that, that the church is the body of Christ. That the church is not the building, but it is the people. And so this morning, what I'd like to do as we continue in our series, is I'd like to ask the question, what does it mean to be successful as a church? And I know success is something that, that we all think about because uh, we all have a different perception of what it exactly is. For some of us, success in life means that we make a lot of money. And for others, success in life just simply means that we, we do good to others, that we help people, and we're there for one another. And for some, success is just simply, um, I set a goal, I worked hard, and I accomplished it, so I feel good. I'm successful. You ever wondered what the Bible actually teaches about being successful as the church? Well, God has a lot to say in his word for us as the church and to help us to understand what it means to be successful. I'd like to give you an example. It's not in your notes here, but I'm going to read it to you. And it comes from King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says. This was a successful man. He says, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. See, Solomon's pursuit of success and things was meaningless. Because he understood without God, there is nothing in this life that could ever satisfy us. There's nothing in this life that could ever make us feel like we are successful in the way that God desires for us. See, this is the man that, that we know as, as wise, had the, had the greatest wisdom of any man that had ever lived. He was also a very wealthy man. He had experienced a lot and he had gained a lot. But yet he comes to a place in his life where he realizes it's just like chasing the wind. Have you ever chased the wind? Have you ever caught the wind? It's a little tough to do, isn't it? See, there's no real satisfaction in it. There's no real sense of success in it. So what does it mean to be successful as the church? What does it mean for you and I? See, we are to pursue the things of God. 
We are to, to die to ourselves, as the Bible would tell us, and we are to seek after the things that the God desires for us. See, if we are to become successful as the church, each and every person that's part of the body of Christ, every individual that proclaims the name of Jesus has to do their part. See, there's a unity aspect, a, a oneness and a togetherness. And in every arena and every part of what the Bible teaches us, we have to do our part. See, and we have to put aside the things of this world. We have to set aside the things that we pursue that are worldly and pursue the things that are godly. See, and we have to understand that God does want us to be successful. But it's a different kind of success than the world preaches. It's a biblical success. And in a few moments, we're going to look at some passages that will hopefully help us as the church to understand the type of success that God desires for each and every one of us that proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. And it comes out of a heart of worship. It comes out of a heart that desires to walk with Jesus, to, to grow in their faith, to understand what God wants for them as a person. See, we can look around us and we can say, hey, you know what, that guy doesn't worship or that guy isn't doing his part or he's not doing whatever. But the truth of the matter is that we have to concern ourselves with ourselves first and foremost. See, God desires that for us. And you know what, God has given us things and he has given us these things for pleasure, for us to enjoy. See, it tells us that in James 1, it reminds us that all good and pleasing gifts are from above. See, every gift, everything that is pleasing, everything that we can enjoy is given to us from God. But what happens in our humanity is that we create vanity. And we do so by perverting the things that God has given us and changing them into things that, that we seek after for our own pleasures, our own desire. When God intended them, to be things that we use to, to praise him for and to thank him for and to bring honor and glory to him for. You know, every single person in this room has a gift. Every single person in this room has an ability. Every single person has something to give. And on Sunday mornings when we gather together, that should be our heart, that we come together to give. That we come together to, to help each other grow in our faith. Help each other to understand where each person belongs in respect to the things that need to be accomplished to build and grow God's kingdom. And as we do that together on Sunday morning, we worship. We give God praise. We lift our hands. We sing loudly. We clap our hands and we praise the living God. See, God desires that we would be successful do you realize that the, the church today, the local church, the evangelical church is in a decline right now? That, that Sunday service, Sunday morning attendance is in a decline. There are less people today than there were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, making Sunday morning a priority to them. And we have to ask ourselves, well, why is that? Why, why do we not place a high value on Sunday mornings? 
There were two surveys that were done recently within the last 10, 15 years. One was done by Gallup, another one by this group that I forgot their name, forgive me. But the one by Gallup showed that 40% of evangelical Christians say that they attend church on a weekly basis, at least one time a week, that they come together as a body of Christ. In this other poll, they asked a little bit more of a deeper question. They kind of pursued it a little bit more to get a little more of a specific. And they realized out of that poll, only about 17 to 20% of people that profess the faith in Jesus Christ went to church once a week. One hour a week, gathered together as the body of Christ. Whether it be on Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday night, Sunday mornings, that only about 17%, 17 to 20% came together and gathered. Is that success for the church? I don't know. I kind of struggle through that. I want to wrestle through that question as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I, I want to kind of struggle through that together to, to ask the right questions and to see God's you know, advice and counsel on how do, we, how do we stir each other up? How do we come together as the church and place a, a high value on gathering together? Well, I, I think we can start in the best place. And the best place for me is with Jesus. Don't you think? By, by looking at Jesus and what Jesus did, because Jesus came and he died on a cross, and we believe that we believe that he rose on the third day. But if we go before the story a little bit and we look at the life of Jesus Christ and his purpose and his plan and what he intended to do and the things he went through in the process to get to the cross, maybe just just maybe that will help us, or maybe even remind us of why it's so important for us to gather together as the church. Maybe it'll help us to see clearly what God wants for us in this lifetime. You know, Jesus himself says in John 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, I am the door. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, there's Jesus right there telling each and every one of us that he is the way, that we are to put him at the center of our lives and live a life that will honor and glorify him. And only then will we find true success in this lifetime. So he gives us a little snippet of what our opposition is intending to do. He tells us that Satan, the devil, he wants to kill and destroy and mess with us. And he does it in some of the modest kind of ways. See, what he does is he, he starts to, to, to encourage us to have sporting events on Saturday mornings that we have to, or Sunday mornings that we have to take our kids to. Now, all of a sudden, our sporting events become a little less important than our gathering time together as a church. And don't get me wrong. I have kids too. And I know the importance of, of doing things like that. I know the value behind it. And I'm not trying to knock that. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to encourage you and challenge you to ask the question and say, hey, is this more important to us than gathering as the church? See, because only you can answer that. You know, there's a, there's a saying that if you want to know about somebody's life, 
Just ask them to look at their checkbook. And that'll give you a really good reflection of, of where their heart is, right? What we spend our money on is usually where our heart is. The things that we value will, will reflect the, the way we spend our money. My hope is this morning as we open up these passages together is that we will look and we will see the key to successful living. And that key is Jesus Christ. That's a fully surrendered life to Jesus. That we put aside all of these worldly things, all these things that that the devil wants to entice us with and encourage us to pursue and go after and say, Jesus, I will follow you at any cost. Because you know what Jesus did for us? He said those very words. He told God, if it be your will, let it be done. And we know the story, right? We talk about it often. We know the road that he took, the path that he took to get to the place that he landed and to do the things that he did to be successful. I want to ask you, do you think Jesus was successful? You look at his life, do you think he was successful? Does that success reflect the world's success today? It doesn't, does it? He modeled, he gave us the example of what it means to live a successful life. And that means that we die to ourselves. That we give up so others can have. Let me pray with you right now. And we're going to read the passages together and look at a few key things that we can do to move towards this. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we, we want to be successful. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings. That's why we meet through the week because we want to help each other understand and know what your word teaches for us to have lives that are successful. Lord, and we know that the key is Jesus. We know that you sent your son and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, but we, we need more clarity. We need more understanding. So this morning, my prayer is that you would help us to see, help us to understand, and also, Father, help us to respond. Help us to take the steps necessary in faith and in trust to follow you at all costs, to worship you at all costs. Lord, I pray that your words would just pierce our hearts and that we would give you glory and honor as we live our lives. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Well, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10. I hope you've already marked your Bibles there. We're going to jump in just a, a few verses here as we kind of discover how to live a successful life in Christ. In verses 19 through 25, the writer starts by saying, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near.
See, in this passage, we have several things that remind us that God has given us the key to live an abundant life. There's some things in here that will help us to move towards a successful life in Christ Jesus. And the first thing is that we are to worship him in confidence. You know, it's interesting to me how timid we are in our worship, how shy we are as believers of, of Christ, understanding and knowing the rights we have been given. See, we have been given something so great, so, something so meaningful that we should kind of abandon our fears. We should move away from the fears of, of, of worship and coming to God and entering into his presence. And it's not an arrogance, but it's a confidence. Listen to what he starts out. He says again, therefore, brothers, since we have, it's been given to us, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, if you, you understand what Jesus, or what uh, the writer is saying here of Hebrews, he's telling us that the old way was that there was this building, this temple that people would come to to worship, to gather together. And inside that building, there were certain areas where they did certain specific things as part of their worship. There was an area where they gave their tithes and their offering. There was an area where they prayed And then just beyond to the very back, there was this curtain. There was this veil. And behind that veil was the Holy of Holies, where all the believers believed that God dwelt, where God sat. And the only one that was allowed in that area was the high priest. And even that high priest had to do some very specific things. He had to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. He had to do some very specific things to enter into that holy of holies, to move beyond that veil. And nobody had the confidence to take those steps because they understood the holiness of God. They understood the greatness of God. So what we're seeing here is that Jesus Christ tore down that veil through his death, burial, and resurrection. By the shedding of his blood, he tore down that veil and he gave you and I access to God. Isn't that cool? I mean, think about that. Chew on that for a few moments. The holiest God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that formed us and shaped us and breathed life into you and I, we can come directly into his presence and we can have confidence doing that. See, and the confidence comes through the hope. It comes through the one that gave his life, that shed his blood so that we can have access to God. What a beautiful thing. Listen to what Leviticus 26, 11 and 12 says about this. He says, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. 
So I, I should see a bunch of smiling faces right now. Because think about it. God himself says, I will walk among you. I will live in your presence. I will be a part of your life. I will walk with you and talk with you and do life with you. And you will be my people. You will be my child. I will love you. I will be with you. See, that's the confidence that we have. That's the confidence as we, we gather together on Sunday mornings, as we come into the presence of God. Not because he's in a building, but because he's in us. He lives in the temple that he created. See, because the Bible teaches us that we are the temple of the living God and that God's spirit dwells among us. He dwells in us and it's our responsibility to walk in step with the spirit. And that just simply means we live by what God tells us to do. We live in obedience. We follow the things that he's taught us to do. We walk in step with the Spirit of God. As he guides us, as he shows us, and he helps us to understand, we continue to walk with him. I know this is kind of cheesy, but every now and then I ask my daughter to skip with me. And she won't. You guys want to talk to her for me after the service? She should skip with her daddy. But if you think about it, a lot of times us as Christians, God's saying, let me take your hand and skip with you. Let me do life with you. Let me walk with you. Walk in step with me. And because we think we're too big or too smart or too whatever, we say, no way. I don't want to skip with you. I don't want to walk in step with you. I want to do my own thing over here. See, but God is calling us to walk with him and to worship him. He's given us the confidence through his son to be able to come into his presence. He desires for us to walk with him. See, and when we do that, we will naturally take the next step. And that is we will worship him with a heart of faith. Verse 22 and 23 says, let us draw near with a true heart of faith. Underline that, circle that. Let us draw near with a true heart of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession, Jesus Christ, of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. See, do you hear what he's saying here? Do you catch that? He's saying, come closer. Draw closer to me. I want to be intimate with you. I want to, to know you and you to know me and I want to build this relationship that, that gives you this confidence, this faith of understanding that I am your hope, that nothing else in this world will ever satisfy. Only I can do that. Only I will satisfy. See, he wants us to trust him with everything and that's what it means to have faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
See, we don't know everything. We don't truly understand, but we have this assurance through the hope of Jesus Christ. And it's something that inspires this confidence, not arrogance, but this confidence to move towards faith, to take steps of faith together as the church. So as we worship in him in faith, we gain the assurance of all that God desires for us in this life. See, when we gather together, when we come together, whether it be throughout the week, whether it be Sunday mornings, we come together and we encourage each other to stay faithful. We remind each other to stay faithful to the things that God has done for us, the things that God desires for us. See, I I don't know about you guys, but I have some men in my life and some women that speak loudly. And they speak loudly because they speak Jesus to me. They pour into my life and they remind me not only of the things that God wants to do in me, but they remind me of the things that God wants, me to, do, wants to do through me. And I, I hope you have that. If you, if you don't have that right now, find it. Go after it. Seek it. Look around you and say, I'm going to go ask that person and say, hey, can we hang out? Can we talk Jesus together? Can we encourage each other on this journey of faith so that I can have the assurance of this faith? I tell you what, it makes the difference. Together, together, it makes the difference. I promise you, God will change you. He'll help you to worship so differently. He will change your life. He will change you and he'll help you to discover all the things that he desires for you. You might be asking yourself, well, what does that look like? What does God desire for me? I really don't know the direction or what he wants for me. Well, I'd say just start with community. Just start with hanging out with other people that are on the journey. Start by coming together as the church and loving each other. You know, Pastor Bunce gave a great message last week and he reminded us that, that there is a new command that we would love one another. And love comes in so many different shapes and sizes. And that's because you guys are all a different shape and size. And that's where it comes from. It comes from you. It comes from a heart to, to walk with Jesus and to love his people. And together we can do that. Together we can be successful in that. You know, the greatest picture of that comes from Acts 2. If you would flip your Bibles over with me to Acts chapter 2. And I just want to read a a few verses with you. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. See, this is a picture of the church here. The day of Pentecost, many of us know this, the Spirit comes upon them and God does some amazing things. And as all the people gather together, people of different races, languages, nationalities, they gather together, they they see God do some amazing things. And the response is this. They devote themselves, verse 42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and in the fellowship of, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Again, unity. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, gathering together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, that's the success of walking with Jesus Christ. That's the difference right there. When we walk together, each person doing their part, each person coming together to honor God. So if we are going to do that, then we have to do the last step here. And we have to make it a priority. We have to worship together. We have to come together as the body of Christ and we have to worship the God that created us, God that loves us. Verses 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Probably about five times a week, especially when people know I'm a pastor, they'll talk to me about the return of Jesus Christ. That's like at the forefront of their mind. So is Jesus coming? When is he coming? I saw a YouTube video on September 22nd. He'll be here. YouTube said it, so believe it, right? Listen to what he's saying here. He says that the day is drawing near. There is no question. Jesus is coming. And together they, they believe that. They believed even in their time, even though it was a long time ago, they believed that Jesus was coming back again. You and I, we, we believe that if we follow Jesus Christ and we read God's word, we understand that there will be a day of Christ's return. We know that God is going to do his part. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, are we going to do our part? See, because our part is the worship part. Our part is the obedience part of doing this life together. And listen to what he says again. He says, we draw together to stir each other up to love and good works. We do not neglect to meet together. We make it a priority to come together as the body of Christ to do this. He says, though some may not, let us meet together and encourage each other. And especially, especially because the day of the Lord is coming soon. Do you believe Jesus is coming soon? Yeah. How many of you know how soon? We don't. So, so what would be our best response then? Let's be ready every day and today, right? Let's be ready for him tomorrow. Whether you're pre-millennial and post-millennial, that's a whole other sermon, but we can talk about that later. Be ready today. Gather today. Don't neglect what God has desired for us, what he designed for us as the church to gather together, to stir each other up, to help each other in faith. I have a cheesy saying, and it works for me, so I say it all the time. Own your faith. It's you and God. Find that relationship. Find your place. 
Use the gift that God has given you. Use the ability, the talents, whatever it is that you have. Find your place. Serve one another. And then simply help others do the same. And the hard part right there, that last one, I think that's where we struggle as a church. I I think that's why statistics tell us that the church is in decline, that the church right now is not successful. I'm just going to offer this to you. I'm not going to say it's fact. I'm not going to say it's anything but my opinion, okay? But, But I believe that the problem that the church is having today is that last thing, is that we're not helping each other to do the same. Yeah, we're, we're, we're faith. We believe. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. We believe. And, and yeah, and some of us, and then the numbers start to shrink, are, are willing to serve. Some of us are, are willing to put forth some energy. Some of us are willing to, to sacrifice our own life and our own time so that others may have when it comes to things. But the critical part in all of what he's telling us here in this passage, if we truly want to have successful living in Christ, is that we have to help each other. We have to like each other. And most importantly, we have to love each other. See, and we do that on Sunday mornings. When we gather together on Sundays, it's not just so we can worship a certain way. It's not just not so we can, you know, self-satisfy our own personal needs. Yeah, all of that's a part of it. Don't get me wrong. But the variable there, the piece that I think the church is missing, and that's why we, we've lost some value of Sunday mornings. That's why we've lost sight of how important it is for us to be here is the part of helping one another. I, I'm just curious, and you don't have to answer out loud, but what, what would you do if, if I didn't show up one Sunday? Right? I'd be curious to see. I, I believe because there's other pastors here and there's people that understand that value, that you know what? We would still worship. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't even have to call in. I know you'd be worried about me, but... I wouldn't have to say anything. But I guarantee it, we would still worship. See, that's why you are so important. Because this doesn't happen without you. So I'm going to ask you guys to do something. It's part of our mission and and, and vision statement. And it's a strategy, okay? I'm going to give you a strategy of how we're going to do this together as a church. To hire the value of what we do when we gather together in our small groups, in our ministries, whether we're going garage sailing and looking for the values, we're going to do this. Simply three things. We're going to make it a habit. Keyword, a habit to gather together. Small groups, Sunday mornings, discipleship. We're going to make it a priority over anything else in this life to come together as a body of Christ. Can we do that? Amen? Amen. All right, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to make it a habit to gain together, all right? This is the discipleship part of everything to do. This is the, in Jesus' name, whether in word or deed, we do this in Jesus' name. It's the gain part. See, Proverbs teaches us that we are to gain insight, an understanding of God's word, his precepts, his commands, the things that he desires for us. So as we gather together, we are going to seek to gain together. Amen? We're going to do that together? 
All right, I'm putting the pressure on, aren't I? You feel pressured? Don't feel pressured. The last thing that we're going to do together, three simple things in this strategy is that we are going to give together. And yes, I'm talking financially. Yes, I'm talking. I want to ask you today in this church, everyone that calls Soul Rio their home, if you don't tithe to the church, I want to ask you to tithe to the church. And if you want to say, well, I, I, I take the, the New Testament perspective of the tithe, praise God, I'll expect everything you own to come this way. <laughs> Read Acts 2, study it. <laughs> but regardless, regardless of how you think and how you believe, don't let it be your opinion. Let, let it be what God says. And not only do I want to ask you to give of your finances, I want to ask you to give of your time, of your energy, of your resources, whatever you have, I want to ask you to give it. Because I tell you what, it will make the difference. If we want to be successful as the church, the body of Christ, we've got to step it up. We've got to start to give We have to gather together, stir each other up, remind each other of the things that God desires for us and they need to help each other do our part. Can we commit to that, brothers and sisters? Those of you that that follow Jesus, can we commit to that? Do I hear an amen? Amen. I don't ask for those very often, do I? Well, I want to do this. I'm going to pray for our time here as we close. I'm going to ask Jeff to, to come up and I want to say a few last things in closing when it comes to our worship. And the greatest thing is I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for doing your part. I want to say thank you for your love, your commitment, your faithfulness, not only to Jesus Christ, but to one another. Because I tell you what, we are growing as a church. We are, we are discovering all of the great things that God has for us as a community of believers that calls themselves Soul Rio Church. But you know what? It's not over yet. There's so much more that God has for us. There's so many more things that God is going to do for us, but we have to stay faithful to it. And the only way that you and I, including myself, will stay faithful to this is again, is we stay faithful to gathering together and we stir each other, encouraging one another in the faith. Can we commit to doing that? And then we'll just do our part. However God leads us, we'll do our part. Can I pray with us? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your words. Father, I, I pray that they don't hear my voice. I, hear, I pray that they hear your voice. Father, that uh, as we gather together in Jesus' name, that our hearts would be here to worship you, to honor you and to glorify you, to help each other, to serve each other, Father, and we understand this morning that it means that we must die to ourselves. The things that that we desire, the things that we want for ourselves, Father, we have to put them aside and we have to see others' needs more important than ours. Father, we are human and I know you understand that. Father, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us not hinder what your Spirit is doing right now in our lives in this moment, Father. Let us focus on the things that you have for us. Because 
you told us, your word says it, that you didn't come to just give us life, but life more abundant. And we know that abundance comes through Jesus Christ, through a personal, sincere, complete, sold out, die to ourself relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, our first step is just to do that, is to commit to Jesus, to, to say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are God, and we will serve you and live for you. We turn from our own sin, and we ask that you would forgive us and wash us, and Father, that you would create a new in us, a new life, a life that pursues the things that you have for us, a life that seeks after and desires to grow in our faith and understanding. Lord, so that we can enter into your presence with confidence, so that we can worship you with that assurance of faith. And Lord, more importantly, that we would do that together, that we would help each other, that we would encourage each other, and we would remind each other, and that we would point each other to you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Lord, as we sing this last song, as we, we give our tithes and our offerings to you, Father, we pray that it would be honoring to you, that we would glorify you, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, and that we would just give you glory for all that you've done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.